welcome to the James River College Podcast. We hope that this episode encourages you in whatever walk of life that you are in. So grab your Bibles, grab your notebooks, and welcome home to James River College. Let's get started. Man, I'm pumped. So excited. This is like, it's that moment that you just can't wait for. You know, it, it, it's, it's like I, I played basketball, kind of. I sat on the bench. But I dreamed about playing basketball, right? So I sat next to a guy named Matt Habanowski. We were pine pals. So which means we sat on the bench next to each other for every game, and we cheered the team on. But we had dreams. You know what it's like? You know, it's like, okay, you're down by one and you're driving to the hoop with zero seconds left, you get fouled, and they send you to the line, and it's like, man, it's no time on the clock. Everyone's off the court. No one's on the line to get the rebounds. It's just you, the ball, the hoop, and all the anticipating fans. And you're like, yes, yes, I got this. And it's just like, swish, tie game. And you get up there, and you're like, ready? Swish. And you win. That's what I feel like tonight as we're stepping into this. We finished 2020. Maybe we were down by one in the world scorecard, but God had already won the victory because he was ready for us to step into 2021 and receive the victory that he has for us, right? So and we're going to step in with victory, with confidence, and I got a couple exciting things to share with you. Uh, number one, uh, we now have our recruitment gentleman with us, recruitment director, Casey Nochi. Stand up a second so everyone can see you. Take off your mask so they can see your handsome face. There's Casey. We're psyched about that. Give it up for Casey. We're all so excited because over break, we hired a new admissions counselor, Miss Rosante Perry. Come on. I love that when I walk in the office every day, and this has always been the case, you know, but man, God just continues to bring new people to bring excitement and energy that I walk in in the morning and I see the team and I'm, I'm like, man, they're excited, they're energetic, they're ready to go. They love you. They love what God is doing in you, what God is doing through you. They don't love you just for your potential. They love you for exactly who you are in the present, but they know that God has incredible things ahead and they are excited about it. And that's the team that we have that's serving you and loving you. So great. I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm a little excited. So for the last several years, coming into a new year, Lori and I have chosen a word for the year. Um, there's a little book that's out. John Gordon had a part in writing it. It's just kind of like the, world, the word that changed the world. And it's not a specific word that he's sharing. It's about a word that you can take on, you know, that you then project and proclaim over your year. It's like a prophetic word for what your year is going to be like. And uh, last year, 2020, our word for the family for the year was refresh. And we used a verse that says those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And you might have seen our hoodies that said H for Hackworth and then 2 O. Like H2O, water, refreshing, come on, like that's good, right, right. So, and we've used other words, the word year before, it was generosity, you know, and I, we have a word for this year. I'm not going to tell you yet. It's not that easy. I can't give it to you that easy. You got to work a little bit for it, right? 
But we choose a word over our year. That word is something that we listen to God. And as we spend time with him and in his word, we look at our surroundings to see what's going on in our world. And we look ahead to decide what type of word we would like to use to identify our year. So if we were to put like a stamp over last year, we would love to be able to say that the people who were around us and that we poured into, pun intended, would feel refreshed. You know, that they're like, man, just being around them is a great thing. We, we enjoy being with Josh and Lori. We enjoy being with their family. They're a blessing to us. You know, I just feel like God's blessing is around them when they're, they're with us. And so that's what we wanted to have for 2020. And that's what we look forward to when we say, okay, at the end of 2021, we want people to think this. Like I said, I'll give it to you later. And here's the deal on this. We all choose the type of year we're going to have. We, we do, whether we do it consciously or subconsciously. Okay, you can have a successful year or a year filled with failure. You choose, you choose this. Uh, and you're gonna see this up on the screen real quick. The key to success, see it up there, is a repetition of belief in success. Write that down, like keep that with you because the opposite is also true and you're gonna see this just as well. The key to failure is a repetition of a belief in failure. So the key to success is a repetition of a belief in success. The key to failure is a repetition of a belief in failure. And here, just so you know, fear and failure fit together like a hand in glove. So like failure was made to just fit fear. Like that, that's how it was created. That's how it was together. So you put your hand in a glove, it fits nice. That's fear and failure. And I wanna to talk to you a little bit about fear. Fear is the belief that everything ahead of me, my future essentially, will be bad, is bad, or will go badly. So my next step, fear would say, no matter where I step, no matter how I move, no matter where I go, I go badly. I am, if I'm gonna go forward, forward's the wrong way to go. If I'm gonna go left, left's the wrong way to go. If I'm gonna go right, right's the wrong way to go. I can't go anyway, upwards, downwards, backwards, sidewards, without doing something wrong or choosing wrong. That's just who I am, that's just how I live, that's just what goes on. And I read this uh, in a devotional and I really, really liked this. I wrote it down and I showed it to Lori and I was like, this is so, so good. So the word fear, if you were to break it down into an acronym like F-E-A-R, and I think it's gonna be up on the screen here for you. So fear is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. So I've got it up there for you. If I've got it up on the screen, you're going to want to write it down, okay? Put it down on your notebook. Put it down on your paper, whatever you're doing. Like, get it in there because it's false evidence appearing real. So I am looking. I'm like, okay, if I move forward, it's going to go badly. What evidence do I have to that? Well, I may have evidence from my past that says I have failures in my past. And so if I have failures in my past then I'm destined to have failures in my future. But that's false evidence. It's not necessarily true. Just because I've had a failure in my past does not mean I'm prone to failure in my future. 
So it's a false evidence, but it appears real. You know, it's like I'm looking ahead and I'm like, man, that's going to go badly. And it feels real. Like, I really feel like that's going to go badly. I feel like that's going to go badly. I feel like that's going to go badly. No matter what I do, I feel it's going to go badly. And not just badly. Awful. Terrible. Right? It'll be the worst decision I could make. And it's, it is when, and I got this on the screen too because this is important. It's when I, and this is such a great word, catastrophize. It's when I catastrophize, which means I over estimate the danger and underestimate my ability to cope. This needs to stay up for a minute because I want you to see this and think about this. We live in a society that loves to catastrophize. They love it. I mean, this, keep this up in the back, Maddie, leave this up. Leave this up, Taylor, leave this up. Make sure it stays up because I want it to stay there as I talk through this. It's listening to the media who uses words like devastating, catastrophic, disastrous, destructive, cataclysmic, fatal, overwhelming, mortifying. And then as we listen to that, we then translate it into our own vocabulary and begin using it back. You know, scripture is clear. We don't want to copy the ways of the world. So if we don't want to copy the ways of the world, why would we use the vocabulary of the world? I mean... Think about 2020. Think about it. Were there things that went badly in 2020? Yes. Question. Did you survive? Did you survive? Yes. Did everyone? No. But let's go back to 2019, right? No COVID, no riots, no election, no nothing that we went through over this last year. Did you survive? Did everyone survive? No, no. And in fact, if you look at the statistics, the death rate didn't change. death rate didn't really change. What's the difference? It's how we described the circumstances going on around us. This is devastating. Wow, it's devastating. Did, did you know it was devastating? I didn't know it was devastating, but now that you say it, I think it was that was. That was devastating. That was devastating. You know, and, and we got into conversations, and I know last semester we talked about this just a little bit. We got into conversations with people who disagreed with us. And it's like standing there in a conversation, and I might be talking to Gabe here. What's up, Gabe? You made it to 2021. Way to go. And we might have a conversation, and on that conversation, let's say we're having a political conversation, and we're on two different sides of that conversation where I believe one way and he believes another, or we lean towards one way or lean towards another. And when I find out that Gabe disagrees with me, I turn around and go, Coulter, can you believe what Gabe thinks? 
I thought we were friends. This is catastrophic. And culture goes, I guess it's catastrophic. Wow. And culture turns to Evan and goes, dude, the disagreement that Gabe and Josh had was catastrophic. It was devastating, like fatal conversation. You laugh because I'm not even exaggerating. Am I? Everything we faced in 2020 was the greatest, most unbelievably devastating, catastrophic, fatal, destructive, disastrous, overwhelming, cataclysmic, mortifying events that ever took place in the world. How did any of us make it through? How did any of us make it through? And let me ask a question. In all of this, who wins? Like in, in, in that format, they'll get it 2020 and saying those things, who wins? Who wins? Come on. The enemy wins when we talk like that. The enemy wins. He wins, right? I mean, you wanna hear cataclysmic? You wanna hear cataclysmic? And the Lord sent a great flood to wipe out the earth and everyone and everything that lives on the earth died. Yeah, but that's nothing compared to 2020. Nothing. Right? Escape the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord is about to devastate it. Destroy it. Lot and his two daughters get out. His wife turns to salt. The cities are ruined. It's nothing compared to 2020. Nothing. What's the difference? It's perspective. It's vernacular. It's vocabulary. It's how we look at things. It's how we allow the world to impact the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we live. Scripture is clear. Do not copy. Do not imitate. Don't follow the way of the world. And you got to think of it this way. Fear is the thought process that everything that is going to happen will be the worst thing that can happen. So you can take that quote off the screen now. But I want you to see that. It's like it's catastrophizing. And then I, like, I want you to be tuned in for those things. Like listen to them. Because you need to know when to shut stuff off. You need to know when to continue to swipe away. You need to know when not to stop on something and click on something. Like you, you just need to know, right? You're like, man, that, that doesn't come from the Lord. That comes from the enemy. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm not going to promote, push, or anything that I can for the enemy. There's no way. It's just not, not going to happen, right? And so you think of it in terms like this, because as you think about those words and you add them to your vocabulary, you start thinking in these terms. Even as a believer, you start thinking in these terms. Yeah, God may have good for other people, but not for me. Like we look around and we're like, hey, yeah, like I, I believe that God has good things. I believe that God has grace. I believe that God blesses people, but maybe not me, maybe not me. And we might not say it out loud, but we think it and we live it. Why? Because we're like, man, every step that I take is potentially devastating. Every, every step that I take is potentially cataclysmic. You know, who, who knows that that next step that I take might be the fatal decision that I make. You know, that, that's how we walk or we say things like this. 
Yes, things may look good now, but just wait. They always fall apart. And even if everything doesn't fall apart, I probably will. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I can cope with it. I don't know if I can take it. I don't know if I have enough in me. I don't know if I'm strong enough. I don't know if my skin is tough enough. I don't know if I have the leadership chops. I don't know if I have the abilities. I don't know if I have the skills. I don't know if I have the talent. I don't know if I have the intelligence. I don't, I just, I don't know. So I expect everything's to fall apart, but even if they don't, I probably will. Just not ready, just not there, just kind of scared. Listen to how David describes this thinking in Psalm 69. This passage is like incredible. So because I want you to hear it, how it's written. So he says in Psalm 69, 13 through 18, it's in the message version. He says, and me, 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 you're asking me, me, I pray. I pray, I pray to God, God, it's time for a break. It's time for a break. Now, God, here's what I need. I need you to answer in love. Answer in sure salvation. Rescue me from the swamp. Because basically that's where I live. Every day I spend in a swamp. I mire through. I'm knee-deep in mud. I'm wading through the water. There's leeches stuck to me. There's snakes all over. Like, my life stinks. I'm in a swamp. Don't let me go under for good. Pull me out of the clutches of the enemy because I'm always in their clutches. That's where I spend every day, in the clutches of the enemy. He's got me by the throat. I'm getting choked out. I'm fading. It's getting dark. That's where I'm at, right? Pull me from the clutches of the enemy. The whirlpool is sucking me down. It's the negativity cycle. If I think bad things are going to happen, I'm going to watch for bad things to happen. And as they happen, I'm going to say, see, I told you they were going to happen. And they keep happening. So I get sucked down into the whirlpool, the vortex of negativity. My thoughts continue to pull me down. And this is what he's saying. This whirlpool is sucking me down. Don't let the swamp be my grave. Because apparently he's dying. Like, he's dying here. Like in this moment, he's like, I'm dying. I'm in, a, I'm in a whirlpool being sucked under by the swamp. The snakes are surrounding me. I'm dying. The black hole. Come on, David, seriously? The black hole swallows me. Its jaws clenched around me. I'm like, you want to talk about a dramatic guy? David was Gen Z. Bro lived your life. If he had Twitter, if he had Instagram... Dude, he'd have a bazillion followers who'd be like, yeah, we live in the mire. We live in the swamp. It's a whirlpool. It's a vortex. The black hole is eating me. No. And he says now, and he says, listen to this, listen to this. It's jaws clenched around me. Now answer me, God. Answer me. He says, because you love me. Don't forget, God, you said you love me. If you love me, you would answer me. If you loved me, you wouldn't leave me here. If you loved me, you wouldn't have let me get here. Now, answer me, God. Let me see your great mercy full face. Like, God, I need you to put everything down, put all on hold, come to my swamp, my black hole, my enemy-ridden life, and show me full face who you are. 
don't look the other way. He just keeps going, right? Your servant can't take it. I'm in trouble. Answer right now. I mean it, God. You better start talking. I don't know if I can go another step. I don't know if I can go another day. And then he says, come close, God. Get me out of here. Rescue me from this death trap. David, a man after God's own heart. Seriously. That's him. He's explaining himself. He's crying out to God. And David's thoughts in this verse are loaded with negativity. The whirlpool of his thoughts were sucking him down into a swamp, a grave, a black hole. How did he get there? He let himself go there. He chose to go there. God didn't put him there. God didn't toss him in a swamp. God didn't all of a sudden go down and go, watch this, swirl, swirl, swirl. Ah, David. But that's basically what David is saying here. Right? God, you stuck me in the toilet and you flushed. Of course, he wouldn't know what a toilet is back then. Now hear me, he said. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's, sorry, next line. Now I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen to this. Because if you don't get this at this moment, then you're missing the point of it, right? God wants you to take your thoughts, all your thoughts to him, all of them. So, okay, Pastor Josh, why is that in the scriptures? It's an example. Take all your thoughts to God. Your negative thoughts, your death thoughts, every thought, every thought, take it to him. He will take it captive, filter it through the word, and replace it with his thoughts, right? So even the energy sapping, life sucks, just let me die thoughts, he can handle them. So that's like, why is it in there? Because David has been to places that we have been and more than likely some darker places than we've ever been. And God never left the throne. God was not hurt by his thoughts. God is not injured by his thoughts. He's not less than God because of those thoughts. He can handle them. He can take them. He is strong enough. They won't hurt him, but they are hurting you. They are hurting you. You may not even know it, but without making a conscious decision, you have chosen 2021 to be a year of fear. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be intentional. Choose to reject fear, reject failure, reject doubt, reject negativity. Choose to live. Choose to live. Here's what Philippians 1.27 says. Live in such a way that you are a credit to the message of Christ. A credit to the message of Christ. That when people see you, they understand that you have an attractive spirit. That you have an attractive love of God. You have an attractive spirit of loving people and encouraging them. You're not using those catastrophic words. You're not using inflammatory language. You're not talking about how your life sucks and you're in the vortex and you're in the whirlpool. and how like That's not you. Because that's not Christ, and Christ is in you. And you might say, how do I do that? With all that's going on around us, how do I live? Well, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. You have to change your thought process. 
It's the thought process that everything that is going to happen, essentially your future, is not going to be the worst. It's going to be the best thing that can happen. So you're like, this next step, this is going to be the best step I've ever taken. Which way are you going to go? Doesn't matter. If I go forward, God's with me, it's great. If I go sideways, God's with me, it's great. If I go the other way, God's with me, it's great. If I decide to jump up and down, God's with me, it's great. It's going to be the best thing I could ever do because I know that God is in my future. He's waiting for me and I have faith to step into it, not fear to avoid it. You choose. You choose. Instead of yes, God may have good for other people but not for me, you say yes, God may have good for other people. And watching him do good for them reminds me that he has good for me. There's plenty to go around. If he's got a dump truck for my roommate, he's got a dump truck of blessings for me. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It may not hit today, but it's coming because God's got a blessing for me. He's got a great blessing for me. Instead of saying, yes, things may look good now, but just wait, they always fall apart. And even if everything doesn't fall apart, I probably will. You say, yes. Things may look good now, but just wait. They'll be even better tomorrow. And even if things get tough, I will be tougher because God has called me. He's equipped me. And he has been getting me ready for this moment. You flipped the script. But Pastor Josh, 2020 was so bad. Well, listen to what Peter has to say. Friends, when life gets really difficult, when life gets really difficult, well, what are you talking about really difficult? Peter was crucified upside down. That's really difficult. Anyone, show of hands, been crucified upside down? Crucified regular. Crucified sideways. Nobody. Okay, just, just checking. When things get really bad, really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. I could stop there and just say live on that for all of 2021. Live on that for 2021. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is awesome. Look at what's up there. Look, it's, it's underlined. It's bolded. I love this. This is a spiritual refining process. 2020, what's it all about? It's a spiritual refining process. For what? With glory just around the corner. How do you get to the glory? Where is it? Where is it? It's around the corner, so how do you get there? One step at a time. If you never round the corner, you never see the glory. If you stay standing where you are and the glory's around the corner, guess what I never run into? The glory, but guess what? As I continue to move, I'm like, ha there's glory. And sometimes I walk around the corner and go, ha there's glory. And then I go, glory. If I never take this step, I never get the glory. I don't get the glory. I mean, that's crazy. You make the conscious choice to remove inflammatory words from your vocabulary and use life-giving words. We're not going to forget 2020 so easily, okay? Hey, we hit 2021. That's what I'm like. Hey, let's get to 2021. Let's get to 2021. It's going to be so great. We get to do 2020 nine more times. What are you talking about? 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024. Do I need to go on or you get it? 2020. Maybe God wants us to remember our difficulties 
as his chance for glory. Yes, things may have been tough, but God provides. In the swamp, in the black hole, all David had to do was remember, this is so crazy, because that was Psalm 69, David's in the black hole, right? Psalm 61, and I know they're not all put down in the scriptures chronologically, but this is how my mind goes, because I'm like, I read 61 first, and then I get to 69, and I read 69, and I'm like, what about 61? Look at what it says, this is so crazy. Like before, he's, he's in the vortex, he's in the whirlpool, he's going down, like enemies around him, like the black hole is bitten down on him, and it's like, it's awful, it's terrible, it's the worst ever, right? But just chapters before, this is what he says, you've always given me breathing room. You've always given me breathing room. A place to get away from it all. Wouldn't you like to get away? Look what he says. I love this. This is great. Because, you know, sometimes uh, I'll bring a guest to go into the fitness center every once in a while, and you can get a free day pass one time. It's a guest pass. It's a free guest pass. You get to come one time. You get to experience it, and it's like, okay, now you got to go. If you want to be in, you got to pay for a membership. You got to be a part of it. You got to do this. You got to do this. All these things. Here's what God says. David says this. Listen, God, here's how much you love me. Here's how much you care for me. You gave me a lifetime pass to your safe house. A lifetime pass. That means you never show up to God's safe house and they go, oh, who are you? I don't know if you have a pass here or not. No, I have a lifetime pass. I'm a lifetime member. I'm a card-carrying member of the safe house of God. It's an open invitation as God's personal guest. I walk up to the door and the doorman says, come in, sir. You're very important. You're a VIP. You are on the guest list. You are God's very important guest. You're at the top of the list. He loves you. He you have access to everything. Everything in his uh, treasure house, everything in his throne room, every blessing that he has, it's all for you. Come on. Lifetime pass. You're always enter in. Everyone knows you. Everyone knows you belong here. Everyone knows you should be here. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. But it's crazy how that quickly gets changed. And just chapters later, he's like, I'm dying. Go to the safe house. Go to the safe house. You've always taken me seriously, God. Made me welcome among those who know and love you. I love this. So good. Read it with me right there. Not out loud, but like follow along with me. Let the days of the king add up to the years of good rule. Set his throne in the full light of God. Post steady love and good faith as lookouts. And I'll be the poet. I love this. Look at this. I'll be the poet who sings your glory and lives what I sing every day. That's what he says from the safe house. It's not what he says from the swamp. What's the difference? His choice. His choice. He wants to be the poet who sings his glory every day, yet chapters later, he's in the whirlpool. It's his choice. It's his choice how he's going to do that. And it's crazy how quickly it turns. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees, which Paul was like, yes, go ahead, push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. Why? I'm on my knees. And at first I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes to its own in your weakness. And I mean, telling you right now, oh, I don't have it up. My bad, I'm reading this one. So that's all we need. Like if you just stop and say, okay, God, 
it was your grace that got me through, God would tell you, my grace is enough. How do I step into 2021? My grace is enough. My grace is enough. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. It's all you need. That's it. Once I heard that, I love this. Paul's like, once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap. My fallen sin nature would be a massive handicap. We all have it. And began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. I invite that. No, I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, and he names them abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Even in the midst of great things, as Paul is talking about the cool things that are happening, he uses words that we do, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks. But he just lets Jesus take over. He just lets Jesus take over, right? What's abuse? Abuse is devastating, right? What are accidents? There are accidents that can be catastrophic. You know, what is opposition? There's opposition that can be really, really difficult and hard. And bad breaks, man, a bad break is bad break. So, like when we think about those things, how do we flip the script? Well, it was so cool because I was going through and I was like, okay, what are some synonyms for devastating? And that's where you get catastrophic and all those things, right? The antonym for the word devastating. Like, do you guys know what an antonym is? It's the opposite, you know? And so I looked up the antonym for the word devastating. It had one word. You ready? I don't think you're ready. You guys sound ready. Are you ready? The antonym for devastating, one word, blessed. I, like, I seriously, as I was doing that, I like stopped for a second. I was like, Lori, you have to see this. You have to see this. Like, look at all the synonyms for devastating. Look at all these words. And you go down, you know it has like a certain color and then it'll have another color, right? It had one word of one color and then another that's like, oh, it's kind of near it or whatever, you know, but it's just one word, one word in the color. It just said, blessed. And then in the other word, it was like, you know, if you want to know a synonym for blessed, it's fortunate. One word. Life is devastating. No, life is blessed. Catastrophic. No, 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 no. Blessed. Fatal. No, no. Blessed. It's a catastrophe. No, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's a powerful word. It's a life word. It's one of those words when you come to it, you're like, man, that changes everything. Blessed. Like, I, I just couldn't believe it. And it's that simple to flip the script, be intentional, choose a word that reflects the way you want to do 2021. And it may be blessed for you. It may be something else. For us, we chose the word live. The word we've chosen for 2021 is L-I-V-E, live. A lot of physical, mental, and emotional, spiritual energy was put into dreaming about COVID being gone, 2020 being gone, racial injustice being gone, the elections to be gone. But how much effort was put into living moment by moment in 2020? Remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live. Remember to live, live, live in such a way that we are a credit to the gospel message. So here's my declaration over the year, okay? So I want you to hear this. I sat down and I wrote this out. I was like, okay, Lord, if, I, if I'm gonna live this year, what do I want it to look like? So this is my declaration over the year. In 2021, I will listen for the voice of God and hear the beautiful things he has to say to me and about me. I will invest 
the positive programming I receive from God into myself and others so that I am free to value the people and relationships I have every day and enjoy the wonderful moments God has blessed me with. Do you see it? L-I-V-E. I wanna listen for the voice of God and hear the beautiful things he has to say about me. He thinks I'm awesome. He thinks I'm awesome. Wow, you sound pretty sure about that. I am. He thinks I'm awesome. And because I know he thinks I'm awesome, I know he thinks you're awesome. That encourages me. The word about me and to me helps me wanna share it with others. And I wanna take those things and invest them in others. That's why I'm sharing this with you. What God gives me, I wanna share with you. I wanna invest in you. I wanna help you, right? So is everything fluff and flowers? No, some conversations are hard. But it's what I'm gonna invest. Why? Because I believe it. Why? Because I value you. I value you. Why? Because God values me. And in my valuing you, I want to do what's best for you. I want to value, I want to value your relationship that I have with you. And I want to enjoy every moment. Every moment. I don't want to wish them away. I don't want to expect them to be gone. So let's live. Let's live. Let's do this together. Let's live as if God has amazing things ahead of us, because he does. Right, so I'll break it down real quick for you. Real quick, team's coming up. So L, listen. Listen for the voice of God. Listen for the voice of God. We're gonna take a moment, just a few minutes, to listen for the voice of God. We're just gonna be still and know that he is God. We're gonna listen for the voice of God and hear the beautiful things he has to say to me. That's not just to me, Pastor Josh. Like, you can say that. God has beautiful things to say to you. He has encouraging things to say to you. He has life-giving things to say to you, and he has those things to say about you. Why? So you can feel valuable, so that you can feel strong, so that you feel encouraged, so that you can know what he wants from you, that you know what he has for your future. And then what does he do that for? So that you can invest those things. So look at that. Invest the positive programming. You're like, programming? Get ready for Chapel Thursday. We're going to walk through programming, and it's going to be amazing. Amazing, amazing. Invest the positive programming I receive from God into myself and others. That means I'm going to speak it over myself. I'm going to hear it from God, then I'm going to speak it over myself. I'm going to remind myself, I'm a child of the king. I'm loved with all of God's love. I'm a delight to the God of the universe. I bring him great joy. I believe what scripture says about me, that I am the righteousness of Christ in him. He loves me and he loves you. And all those things I say about myself are true for you too. And you speak them over yourself and you speak them over other people. And then the V, value the people and relationships I have every day. I love that I get to wake up next to Lori and that I get to value her, value that relationship. I love that I have one remaining child in my house, Koi. I love that. I love that I have a child that lives across the parking lot from me, Coulter, you know, who is here as a part of everything that's going on. I love that. I value that, right? And then Kendon lives above him. I love him and I value that. I love that my daughter lives in California, you know, and that she is thriving in what she's doing. I love that those are valuable relationships. And I love that you all are here, that you chose to be here. I value you. I value the relationship that I have with you. I value the staff. I value our pastors 
I value those in leadership over me. I value the people that I bump into on Sundays. I, like, I want to value that. But unless I'm listening to God and investing what he says to me in myself and others, I'm not going to value people. And if I don't listen and I don't invest and I don't value people, I'll never get to the last one, which is to enjoy the wonderful moments God has blessed me with. Because if I refuse to step into them, I'll never see the glory that's around the corner. If I don't listen to God, I'm not going to step forward in faith. If I don't uh, invest in what, if I don't invest what he says into me, I'm going to be afraid to take those steps. I'm going to be afraid to move forward. I don't know what the relationships are going to look like. I don't know who's going to be walking with me. And I'm going to move back and I'm going to separate myself and I'm going to put more distance between myself and God. And that glory that's just around the corner, I'm never going to get to it because I don't believe that it's there. And so how do I live with enthusiasm, with excitement, with joy in anything if I'm not enjoying the moments that I'm in? But when I enjoy this moment that I'm in, I can't wait to get into the next moment that I'm in. And the next moment that I'm in, realizing that God's beautiful things are not in my far distant future. They're in my next step. They're just around the corner. They're right there. This is how we enjoy the life that God has given us. We can choose to live instead of fear. When we live, we see success that God has for us. When we fear, we live in repetitious failure. We'll never go anywhere. We'll never do anything. And we can speak it over ourselves. And we can choose which way we want to go. It is your choice. It's your choice tonight. I want to have you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. So I mentioned I wanted to take a moment to allow you to listen to what God has to say. Now, like I said, Lori and I. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Now apply what you have learned and go out and bless someone's face off.